Today is Monday, April 3rd, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Former President Trump says he expects to be in court this week, calling it a witch hunt. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe, leave a rating, share it with a friend. You can email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Joining me as always to get through that news of the cray, Billy Hallowell. What's up, Billy? We'll have Trey back here tomorrow. Happy Monday. Um, I'm living the dream. Happy Monday. Yes. Caffeinated and contented, I hope. I mean, what would you expect otherwise? Yeah, I'm I'm here. I'm ready. My first cup of tea, it's sizzling. And I I mean, I can't start the day without a cup of tea. I don't know what it is, but. How about coffee, Dan? How about you switch? (laughs) I'm one of the weird ones. I can't do it. But uh, anyhow, we're ready. And there is a lot to get through. As I mentioned, the President Trump madness is happening this week. Also, uh, what do we have coming up on The Focus, Billy? Yeah, we're going to be talking about actor Dennis Quaid and his warning that he has about the U.S. power grid. Really interesting stuff. It is. I haven't heard this sort of a dire warning before on this front, but it uh, it's, it's an interesting one. That's for sure. We'll dive into the details on that. Also, we'll talk to Heritage's Zach Smith who is talking about this Trump indictment and why in this political climate, especially this sets a dangerous precedent. We'll have that on the main thing with Madison Seals. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And former President Donald Trump confirmed he's going to leave his Florida resort today and travel to New York City, where he will appear in court tomorrow. He said he'll be leaving Mar-a-Lago at noon and heading to Trump Tower in New York. This was over on Truth Social. He said, on Tuesday morning, I'll be going to, believe it or not, the courthouse. America was not supposed to be this way, the former president said. The charges are likely, are they're sealed, but they're most likely related to these supposed hush money payments to Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal. Trump has said this is a witch hunt. And people have decried the legal system, calling it the death of the legal system as a former president. It's going to be the first time one has been charged criminally. And since the chaotic exit of Jerry Falwell Jr. as president of Liberty University back in 2020, they've now announced their next leader and it's Major General Dondi Costin, who's going to serve as its sixth president over there at Liberty. And Jonathan Falwell, the son of the late Jerry Falwell Sr., will be formally installed as the college's third chancellor. And car prices have surged for the highest time since the 1970s and 80s. Those are just some of today's top stories and more. You can read more over at CBNNews.com. Billy, this uh, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. This car buying thing. $12,000 in the past five years, the average transaction price of a new car has jumped that much in just five years. And for used cars, the average trans- transaction price is still 9000 higher than it was in February 2018. That's the fastest rate in history, certainly since the 1970s and 80s. It's insane. And as someone who has two kind of older cars, and I I tend to try to run my cars into the ground before I get another one, this is nuts. 
Yeah, I'm like praying that my car does I not know. go. Um, yeah, I think they said the average cost is forty eight thousand or something for a car. I was like, what in the world I is know. going? I mean, when a car is is inching towards the uh, the cost of a house, you know, a couple of decades yeah. ago, it's a little concerning. I yeah, I I don't I don't know how Americans. A lot of people, I mean, they're just struggling to make it, and you just you throw this on there, and who knows? By the way, too. I mean, you have all these regulations when it comes to, you know, electric vehicles and gas. You know, how is that going to affect all of this moving forward over the next decade, too? So it's there's a lot to consider there. Yeah, it is another thing on the list that Americans have to deal with with high prices. It's crazy. We had somebody come, a plumber came and, and fixed like the nozzle of a hose right on our house. And he <laughs> the cost of it, it was like three hundred and fifty dollars. And he's like, hey, you know what this would have cost before covid this piece? Yeah, it was like sixty three dollars. And we were like, um, how did that piece triple in price You know, since <laughs> covid? And so it's, it seems to be everything. But the problem is that really, you know, houses, cars, apartments, these are the things that people have to have. Right. I mean, yeah. you need to have a house. You need for most people they need a car if they don't have public transportation to get around and so it's yeah i i don't know i mean i it's just another area like you said of concern and food prices and all that i mean all the essentials are what have skyrocketed yep, yep. and and this is not happening in a vacuum as i mentioned trump heading to to court this week tomorrow most likely americans are dealing with this former president trump is running again and here he is getting dragged into court on what he's calling a witch hunt what kind of effect do you think this is going to have on the campaign well i'm glad you asked Dan, because <laughs> my my prediction has been that this is going to be something that really helped trump mm -hmm. um and when you look at the results we're seeing so far, he brought in $4 million the day after his campaign, the day after um, the indictment was announced. They have seen in polls, he's like quadrupled the lead that he had over DeSantis and others. So right now, this seems to be something among the Republican base, at least, that is helping him. Now, who knows? When, when we find out more about these charges, either the charges are going to seem bogus or they're going to seem like oh okay maybe there's something there i think i think the truth is still sort of out there but if these charges are really weak it's only going to bolster that frustration that people have and again no matter what you think about trump the question is in politics how does this look that's the real question right. how does this look to people so we'll yeah. have to see but so far it's helping him yeah and i think you know, Joy Behar on The View kind of said the quiet part out loud. And she said they want Democrats want former President Trump to run because they believe they can beat him. And so it seems like perhaps we're getting like a win win situation here from everybody's side. You know, Trump, this is, you know, he knows that these are not serious charges. And so he's going to be able to weather this. But like you said, fundraising and his his credibility among people who believe that he's one of them fighting for them and kind of taking the shots for, uh, you know, the, the bogus shots that people are, you know, throwing around all the time. And, and he has to take those while, while the elites don't, this adds all to that credibility for him. And at the same time, if Democrats believe that Trump is the guy that gives them the best chance of winning, they can help him get thrust into that GOP nomination. And so, it sure looks like this is one of those things that is, for whatever reason, the motivations may be, is working out politically for every side. So we'll, of course, keep covering that over on CBNNews.com this week. You can keep up to date with the latest of what's happening with that and also 
faithwire.com. So uh, we're going to head into our uh, next story now, however, and Dennis Quaid is sounding the alarm, as you mentioned there, Billy, at the top, about an issue he says could send America back to 1880 and make COVID look like a kid's show. That is quite a statement. What's the, what is the story here? What's he talking about? Yeah, so Dennis Quaid has a new documentary out called Grid Down, Power Up. And it's an interesting project to consider, you know, for this actor who's been known for so many different movies mm. and, and shows over the years. But basically, this documentary is all about the U.S. power grid. And Quaid is essentially warning that the power grid is not as secure as it needs to be. And that one big attack, one big issue could really derail everything. You know, he refer- he referenced his old movie, The Day After Tomorrow from 2004. It was sort of a apocalyptic uh, movie. And he said, quote, this is not The Day After Tomorrow, by the way. This is tomorrow. I think it could happen, and it's a problem that we can fix. And so he was on Fox News talking about this, which was really interesting. Uh, he he brought up a number of examples. But, but yeah, the, the key issue in his mind is that we rely on everything for the power grid, everything from food to resources, to gas, to heat, and that if it goes down, we're going to be in big trouble. Mm. Yeah, very interesting. And particularly for me, how he mentioned, how he kind of compared it to making COVID look like a kid's show. That to me sparks concerns of less about even the incident itself, but more the government response to it. So what do you think makes this threat that he's warning about here seem credible? Well, you know, there have been a number of examples. I don't know if you remember 2003. Um, I was I was in college at the time. There was a massive power outage in New York, and it resulted from something that happened in Ohio, they believe. And it was something simple, like a power line hit some overgrown trees, and it shut down. And instead of just sort of triggering a local reaction, it triggered a massive reaction. Um, and New York City went into complete pandemonium. All the traffic lights were out. Traffic systems were down. We were... I was living in a dorm at the time. We had no power. It was complete chaos. And that he actually brought that example of up. I think it's actually the worst power outage that we've had, I, I think, in American history, at least in the Northeast um, ever. And so some people were without power for days. And so in talking about that particular event, you know, he, he was sort of saying, look, you know, this happened. This is a small event. But imagine what would happen if a bad actor through a Chinese balloon, through some other you know, mechanism, if they were able to take out power for 30 days, what would we be looking at? Mm. He even talked about nuclear explosions from space. And they talk about this in the documentary. Um, and I'm not a scientist, so I can't really do it justice here. But essentially, <laughs> if, if something happened up in, up in space and there was a nuclear attack, how it could impact every every device, including the power grid. And so there have been a number of these examples. Let's not forget North Carolina. Uh, what was that earlier this year when the power grid was attacked, right? So yeah. these, are, these are things that have happened on a smaller scale. So I think his, his point is what happens if this happens on a bigger scale? Yeah, well, at least we're not moving as a society to completely plugging in something super common and high energy like cars. At least we're not doing that. <laughs> All across the country right now. Oh, wait, what? Oh, I'm sorry. I spoke a little too soon. But uh, the interesting thing here is, to me, I think, and you kind of alluded to this, but I think you're right that Americans cannot handle periods of time without basic services. We saw it happen after Hurricane, I believe, Sandy it was, and I forget what year, but I don't know, 15 years ago, something like that, whenever Sandy was. But people lost power, and then 
some gas stations didn't have gas and you had people shooting at each other and gas lines because people were cutting in front and they get desperate. People don't realize how quickly things melt down in America when a when a supply line or a supply chain of one kind is really cut off like instantly. I mean, it. Yeah. people don't realize how dependent you are on the grocery store and that bread to be in your grocery store. They're not prepared for long periods of time and myself included. And so people get really desperate. So when it comes to you know, having our grid down, very, very troubling and potentially devastating scenario. What is what is Quaid hoping to accomplish here with uh, with everything he's talking about? Well, he's hoping that that there are some safeguards put into effect. You know, he talked about the fact that energy and utility companies don't want to pay for upgrade systems or install safeguards. And he he talked about the fact that it would cost about fifty billion dollars over time. Like it wouldn't be all up front, it sounded like, but about fifty billion to secure and make sure that 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 these sorts of things, if they were to happen, that we would be able to be protected. And it was interesting because he didn't say this, but Jesse Waters, who was interviewing him on Fox, was like, well, we're giving $50 billion, you know, all the time to Ukraine. Why can't we why can't we give $50 billion, you know, to take care of right. this? And so um, and, you know, so basically it sounds like that's what Quaid is hoping to do, just to raise awareness so that we actually take the action because he said it's a fixable problem. Mm-hmm. It's a preventable issue if we take if we take the steps to prevent it. Yeah, certainly. Hopefully he's right, and and hopefully there there is some action done here. We at least pay attention to this because it's something we haven't had to worry about in the past. But if we do in the future, it could be could be major major problems. So appreciate you bringing that story, Billy. We're going to move over to the main thing now. And Madison Seals talked to Zach Smith from Heritage about this Trump indictment that's coming up, most likely tomorrow. And why it's not surprising in this political climate and sets a dangerous precedent precedent of prosecuting political foes. That's today's main thing. You might remember rumors about a forthcoming indictment on former President Trump over the last few weeks. And last Thursday, those finally materialized in a legal case brought by Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. While this may come as a surprise to some, my guest today says this indictment isn't really a surprise at all, but not necessarily because the former president is guilty of any crimes. I'm joined by Zach Smith, a legal fellow in the Mies Center for Legal and Judicial Studies at the Heritage Foundation. Zach, thanks for joining me today. Of course. Thank you for having me on. It feels like we're discussing the latest and what feels like the Get Trump saga. I mean, it's been <laughs> one thing after another, two impeachments and a raid on his estate recently, and now this. So how big of a deal is an indictment? Well, it's a big deal. And, you know, we're really in unprecedented territory as a country. Never before has a former president been criminally indicted. And what I think many people find so troubling about this indictment is that it looks like it was uh, designed to to come out and at a certain time to hurt Donald Trump politically. Now, we don't know what's in the indictment yet, but we've heard rumors, we've heard leaks. Uh, the Washington Post, the New York Times, and other news organizations have reported on certain aspects of the investigation. And even those papers have said, if this is in fact what the indictment is based on, these hush money payments to an alleged uh, former adult film star, that this would be a very novel prosecution. It'd be a very complex prosecution for Alvin Bragg to pursue. And that's really troubling when you consider that never before has a former president been criminally indicted. Right. Some of the claims against 
former Trump attorney Michael Cohen have been proven and he's been charged. Is that a sign, do you think, of things to come for the former president? Well, it could be. I think there are a couple of things to keep in mind. You know, a lot of this stems around from those hush money payments, whether they were, in fact, campaign contributions and violated campaign finance law. Now, Michael Cohen, he pled guilty in federal court to campaign finance violations based in part on these payments. Uh, But the Federal Election Commission, the U.S. Department of Justice, they declined to pursue charges based on these same payments against Donald Trump. And so the fact that you now have a state prosecutor, Alvin Bragg, trying to use these same payments that federal authorities have already declined uh, to pursue charges based on these payments, now that he's trying to use them to shoehorn what would ordinarily be a minor misdemeanor into a felony offense, uh, again, it's unprecedented and, and very troubling. So there's a few different investigations into alleged crimes of the former president that are going on here one of which is regarding hush money payments to Stormy Daniels, and others include lying about the election outcome and directing his people to find the votes to prove it. Do you think any of those charges hold any footing, or is this just another attempt like his impeachment trial? Well, we'll have to wait and see what the indictment actually says. Now, from what I understand, the hush money payments are really central to the New York case, or that's what everyone suspects uh, that the New York case will be based on. The other conduct that you mentioned, uh, the you know alleged statement defined uh, votes in a call with the Georgia Secretary of State, that is primarily the focus or appears to be the focus of an investigation by the Democratic Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis. You may remember uh, she impaneled a special Georgia grand jury to investigate uh, certain conduct by Donald Trump and his allies after the 2020 election. The forewoman of that jury, of that grand jury, she gave a series of bizarre interviews over the past several weeks. Uh, So it could well be that an indictment could come out of Georgia as well. And then, of course, there's also the ongoing federal investigation being led by special counsel Jack Smith. I want to go back to a point that you made earlier about federal agencies not pursuing any charges. And I'll mention your article with The Daily Signal about this called The Indictment of Donald Trump, The Players and the Cards They're Playing. For anyone who wants to read into more details on this topic, because that's a really important point that you made, that the Justice Department and the FEC considered the matter, but closed their investigations without bringing any charges against the former president. And keep in mind, though, those were federal agencies (laughs) that are charged uh, with enforcing and investigating violations of federal law. Alvin Bragg is a state prosecutor. He's the Manhattan district attorney. He's charged with enforcing New York state law. And so the fact that you have a state prosecutor trying to use a federal violation that federal authorities have declined to pursue is really novel and very troubling, again, uh, because, uh, you know, It presents a host of potential legal problems for Alvin Bragg in proving his case, not to mention that it appears a lot of the factual information he would need to prove his case would likely come from Donald Trump's former attorney, Michael Cohen, who himself has been uh, federally convicted of a number of crimes and who appears to be a, a serial liar based on everything that we know. And there is some irony that you also pointed out about Alvin Bragg pursuing this case, considering his pledge not to prosecute many other crimes and cases in New York, even some violent ones. So why is he doing it, really? 
Well, it looks like he's doing it for political purposes. Uh, he certainly knows that his star will rise among those uh, on the left, particularly the far left, the, the radical wing of the Democratic Party. He's not stupid. He recognizes this will catapult him to national prominence. But, you know, I think the, the point here is worth emphasizing. When Alvin Bragg came to office, he was part of this rogue prosecutor movement. Uh, these so-called progressive prosecutors that George Soros and other left-leaning billionaires have backed around the country who have pledged not to enforce a host of crimes, uh, everything from prostitution to drug possession to possession with intent to distribute in some cases. He's pledged not to seek uh, to hold folks without bail pending trial in most cases. He's pledged not to seek prison sentences in many cases. And so this really does highlight what appears to be the hypocrisy that Alvin Bragg is moving forward with this set of charges, at least the leaked set of charges that we've heard about, against Donald Trump. And if anyone's interested in learning more about Alvin Bragg, his radical policies, and this radical rogue prosecutor movement, my colleague, Cully Stimson, and I, we actually have a book coming out in June of this year called Rogue Prosecutors, where we talk about the ideological underpinnings of this movement, the funding of this movement, and we have an entire chapter devoted to Alvin Bragg and his radical, dangerous policies that, frankly, is making New York less safe. Yeah, and that'll be so interesting to read that once it comes out, especially because right now Bragg's just becoming more and more of a political rock star to some on the left. And right. you mentioned earlier that this is the first time a former president, much less one who is currently running for office again, has been charged with a crime. And Trump shared a statement saying that he believes this quote-unquote witch hunt as he usually calls it, will backfire on Bragg, President Biden, and Democrats. Do you think he's right? <laughs> well, I've given up uh, trying to predict the future. Uh, my crystal ball, <laughs> I think, is broken. <laughs> uh, uh, but look, you know, we're in unprecedented waters. I don't think anyone really knows how this will play out politically. Uh, I suspect, again, Alvin Bragg is pursuing this in part to help his own political star rise among those on the left. Uh, but Donald Trump, others certainly seem to think this will help him politically. Uh, but I, you know, I try to do policy, not politics. And so we'll just have to wait and see how this all ultimately ends up playing out. Yeah, absolutely. Like anybody who's accused of a crime, no matter who you are, or what your standing is, Trump is deemed to be innocent until he's proven guilty. So right. we will just continue to watch this. If you want to bring up your book one more time about Alvin Bragg, I think that's really interesting for people to check out as well. Sure, I'd be happy to. Again, it's called Rogue Prosecutors. It'll be out on June 26th of this year. And we talk about this so-called progressive prosecutor movement, the ideological underpinnings. It actually started out of a prison abolition movement. Uh, the funding of it, George Soros and others have poured millions of dollars to back these rogue prosecutors. And then we highlight eight of the worst rogue prosecutors around the country. And of course, Alvin Bragg is one of the people we highlight. And I think if you read the chapter, read the real world consequences of his decisions not to prosecute many, many offenders, uh, I think you'll be very troubled by it indeed. Well, Zach Smith, thank you again for your time and for your policy insight on this. Of course. Thank you for having me on. All right, Madison, thanks for that conversation there with Zach Smith from Heritage talking about this witch hunt, as 
former President Trump is calling it. Appreciate that. That leaves us with time for one last thing today. Well, this is a great verse. It's Proverbs 12, 1. Uh, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. And I laugh because that last part is stupid. It's just very blunt, very to the point. But it's true, right? You know, if we love knowledge, that's great. But if we hate being corrected, it's kind of stupid. We never learn, right? We yeah. never change. Yeah, and I think it's directly tied to pride, as most things are as well, right? Like if we can't accept correction or discipline and we just refuse to humble ourselves, look, the Bible's calling it stupid and there's not much else to add to that. But I think uh, it's it's, again, <laughs> one of those things where we have to humble ourselves, which is often a good first step in a lot of scenarios that we have. So so don't despair if you get corrected on something, you get disciplined on something. It's, it's ultimately for your good. So good words there. Kick off this week on this Monday edition of the podcast. As always, head on over to cbnnews.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Lord willing, in that creek don't rise. We'll see you back here tomorrow. God bless.